Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam, Mishneh Torah, Hilchis Trumais, the laws of the heave offering, the gift offering of produce to the Kohen. Pedic Revi, chapter 4. <coughs> the laws of Truma, or the law of Truma, is one of the main sources of the whole idea of shlichus, that one person can appoint and designate a proxy or an agent to do something on his behalf. And he begins with this idea, Aleph, that a person can appoint a proxy or an agent, a shliach, to set aside for him both truma and maaser, both the heave offering to the Kohen as well as the tithes to the levi. Shenemar, as the Pasik says, Kain torimu gam atem. So also shall you set aside, shall you separate also you. What's also? So the famous teaching is Gam Atem that also you is there to also include <coughs> your agent, <coughs> your proxy. And this is the source from the Torah that teaches us that there is this concept, especially in the case of Truma. Now an agent, a proxy, has to meet. The requirements. A proxy has to be someone who is obligated in the mitzvah, and therefore it should not be an idolater or others say a Gentile, meaning because a non-Jew is not obligated in the mitzvah of Truma, how could he be an agent? As it says, you as well, that's the source of this teaching. Ma'atem b'nei bris, just as you are a member of the covenant of the Jewish people, afshluchachem, also your proxy should be b'nei bris, a member of the covenant. So technically, a non-Jew does not fit to be a proxy because he doesn't have the mitzvah. Going a step further, he says in the second paragraph, beis chamisha, five types of individuals, lo yitremu, should not be the ones to set aside the trumah. The imtormu, and if they did, ain't trumas on truma. Their truma is not considered truma. One is acheresh, a deaf mute, which in halacha, we always say, is not a fully responsible individual. The hasheta, and someone who is not mentally or emotionally mature. The hakotan, and a minor who has not reached the age of majority. And a non-Jew who acted as a proxy on behalf of the Jew, again, because he doesn't have that mitzvah. <coughs> so that's four. And the fifth category is, Somebody who gives truma from someone else's crop without their permission. We cannot have an effect on somebody else's crop. It's not mine to give. If I was appointed as a proxy, as an agent, that's one thing. But if not, then it's meaningless. Avol, however, very fine line, 
what if somebody takes his own produce and gives truma for someone else? Harezu truma then, if other circumstances line up, this would be considered truma. The chicken peresayim, and he fixed their produce, because you're not allowed to benefit from produce before truma was given. By giving truma on their behalf from his produce, he made their produce edible. And he also derives a special benefit that he gets to pick the Kohen whom he wants to give Truma to. Because the farmer gets to pick the Kohen. No Kohen, as we did learn and we will learn, has a right to say, give me your Truma. You can pick any Kohen you want. So when somebody donates his own produce on behalf of somebody else's crop, he can pick the Kohen. Gimel 3, What if somebody sets aside truma without authority? Or somebody went into someone else's field. And he collected, he gathered produce without permission. In order that he can take them for himself. And he separated truma. So he's in someone else's field collecting produce. And he set aside truma. If the owner comes and says to him, Why don't you take from the better crop for truma? So that is sort of an indication that the farmer is happy. If there were nicer level crops than the ones that he's dealing with, then it means the owner is truly happy. And then the truma this fellow set aside is considered truma. Because the owner doesn't mind. By that declaration, he shows he doesn't mind. However... If he said that statement, why don't you pick nicer produce? There were no nicer produce that suggests that his statement was a facetious statement. It was not a happy statement. Ain't truma, say truma, so his truma is not truma. Because his statement was more of a facetious objection than anything else. However, if the owner came and gathered alongside him and added, Ben whether there is nicer mehan of that, And again, our interest here in these halachas is when is it truma, when is it not truma? Because the owner came and said, pick nicer produce, go ahead. That shows that he doesn't mind and he's happy. Unless there is no nicer produce, then it's a facetious statement. If he helps him, then it means he likes it. Now, just as we learned earlier that five categories of people should not give truma, and if they do, their truma is not truma, here we learn in Dalid that chamisha truma. And on the other hand, five categories of people, five other carries, Five other categories should not give truma v'im tormo, but if they did, truma son truma, their truma is truma. Cheresh medaber, someone who's deaf, 
but he's not a mute. He's a deaf person, but he speaks. Vena Shemea speaks, but he doesn't hear. So he should not set aside through Why? He is considered mentally sound. Because he can't hear the bracha that's being made. And truma requires, like every mitzvah, we learned a bracha. And a mute. He hears. He can't speak. And someone who's naked. A bracha cannot be said due to modesty laws. And someone who's drunk. And someone who's blind who really can't see and doesn't know what they're doing. Because they can't focus and set aside the best. So these are the five categories. A deaf, a mute, a naked person, a drunk, and a blind person. But as we learned, if they did do the setting aside of the truma, then it is truma. It's better not to, but if they do it, it's okay. Now, we learned earlier that there's a special law when it comes to vows, that a minor enters into the arena of vows a year or so before his or her bar or bas mitzvah, so that a minor can start making vows, a boy at 12 and a girl at 11. What if a minor reaches the period of time of vows, which means a year earlier, even though they did not physically mature, and they're not a major, they're not grown up, they're still well under bar and bas mitzvah, but like vows, if this minor set aside truma, truma say truma, then his or her truma is truma. Even biblical truma, we, as we did learn and we will learn, there is biblical mandated truma, then there is rabbinic mandated truma. This minor can set aside not only rabbinically mandated truma, but also biblically mandated. Why is that? Hail, because by Torah law of Inidreim, Vehekdeshan Kayomim, because their vows. And that which they declare sacred holds true, minateda, biblically. As we explain in Hilchas Nedorim, in chapter 11 of the laws of Nedorim, we explain this at great length. Vov 6, if somebody says to his agent, go set aside Truma for me from my field, from my granary, and he went to set aside Truma. Now remember, as difficult as it is to believe, you're going to have to take my word for it. These were the days before cell phones. Because today, the farmer would call the agent on the cell phone and say, Did you do truma? He went to do it. But we have no idea if he actually did it or not. And then the farmer came to his granary or wherever it was, and he sees... That somebody did it. Now the question is, did the right guy do it? Ein cheskose taught him, we should not assume that the agent did it. Because maybe someone else did it, and the agent is at Disneyland. We don't know. What's the difference? The difference is, if the agent did it, he had authority. If the other guy did it, he did it without authority. 
and to do truma without authority is one of the five categories which we just learned it's worthless. You can't set aside truma from someone else's field without their authority. Wait a minute. Don't we always say we can always assume that the agent will fulfill his mission? Yes, we always say that when it's a stringent application, never for a lenient application. Not lehokel elalahachner. The cheshesh. We are concerned. Shema achar toram shalei b'shus. Maybe the original agent disappeared, got busy, and someone else came <coughs> and set aside truma. Therefore, and what's the problem? The problem is he has no authority. And therefore, until we know for sure that this truma was set aside with authority, the truma is not truma, and the produce is not considered produce for which truma has been set aside. Zayin if somebody says to his agent, to his proxy, say utreim, go and set aside truma from me. Teirem kedate shall Now we learned earlier that by biblical law, even a little truma is enough. By rabbinic law, it should be one-fiftieth for an average person, one-fortieth for a generous person, one-sixtieth for a person who is concerned with not spending too much. So the question is, how much does this agent give, a fiftieth, a fortieth, or a sixtieth? He says he estimates what he thinks the guy who sent him would want. If he knew that he had a bad eye, and he's not a very generous guy, he should give a 60th, which is what the bad-eyed people give. If he was a very generous fellow, <coughs> he should give a 40th, because that's what the very generous people give. If he's not really sure, he gives the average, which is 150th. What if he intended to give the average 150th? Now remember, we learned earlier that truma should not be, preferably should not be measured, weighed, or counted, but truma should be estimated. He wanted to give a 50th, but what he came up with in his hands was a 40th or a 60th. A yachan mishishim. Truma say truma, his truma is truma. Vim niskaben lo'esiv al-beinis v'tarim ha'pilechan mitishiv al-boyim. Ein truma say truma. However, if he wanted to give more than a beinonis, if he wanted to give more than the average, and he separated even 149th over, then his separation is not effective. Because he knew what the explanation is given here, because he knew what the farmer wanted to give, and he wanted to give more than that, and that's not cool. Ches, petis, shashutvin, what about produce that belongs to partners? Chayovim, produce of partners, is obligated with the mitzvah of truma and maiser. Shenemer, masre, sechem, your, plural, tithes. Afilo shoshnaim, even produce belonging to two people. Okay, so what kind of authority does one partner need from the other? The answer is none. Any one of the partners who set aside truma, truma say truma is truma is considered truma. Because a Jew wants to give truma, and he relies upon his partner to give truma, no problem. However, the plot thickens. What if one of the partners 
set aside Truma. And the second guy comes and sets aside Truma again. Now, this sounds like it's no big deal, but in Halacha, it's a very big deal. Why did the second guy, the second partner, set aside Truma? Because he didn't know that his partner gave. So now the question is, is the first Truma set aside by the first partner Truma? And is the produce kosher? Can the produce be utilized as post-Truma produce? Is the second Truma, which never had to be given, Truma, and how is it treated? So he says here, if as a rule they trusted and relied on one another and they gave each other full authority, then the first truma is the real one, because the guy acted with authority. The truma of the second fellow is a mistake. It was never truma, so it's undone. So it goes back to being regular produce. But if they did not ordinarily act or rely on each other and trust each other fully, and the first one gave properly, so his truma was proper, then ain't truma sasheni truma, then and only then is the second fellow's truma, not truma. Why? Because the right amount was given. But But if he didn't give the right amount, then truma shneim truma, then the truma of the second guy is also truma. And he brings down here in the notes that nowadays when truma is not given in that manner because everybody is considered impure, then the less truma given, the better it is, because it has to be burned. Somebody says to his partner, or to someone in his household, or a servant, the or his female servant, go set aside truma. They went to set aside truma, and then he made a declaration. He said, never mind, I undo the mandate that I gave. I undo this proxy. But the agent never heard about that. If the agent followed his instructions to the T and didn't change anything, then his truma is truma. And he says here in the notes, Obviously, if the agent changed his mandate, then his truma is not truma. He says, even if he slightly changed it. Here, he didn't change it whatsoever. But if he even slightly changed it, and he said, go set aside from the northern part of my granary. And he went from the southern side. That's a little item up here, down here. Being that he nullified his declaration of agency earlier ain't a truma then it can be argued that this is not truma now comes the next halacha in yud in ten there is a concept we introduced earlier called a sharecropper what is a sharecropper the farmer says to a harvester you go harvest my field and i'll give you 30 percent of whatever you harvest as your pay 
the big question in halacha is, is the sharecropper an owner or is he an employee? Does he get a salary or does he get part ownership? And in the laws of Truma and Meiser, it's a big difference. So, oris shetoram, what if the sharecropper sets aside Truma? And then the owner comes and says, wait a minute, what are you doing? I didn't ask you to set aside Truma. I asked you to harvest. If he stopped him before he set it aside, then his truma is not truma, because the guy is the boss. He stopped him. However, if after he set aside the truma, he stopped him, then his truma is considered truma. The apetrepen. Guardians of orphans' property should and may set aside truma from the property, from the fields of orphans, because orphans need to have truma set aside before they can eat. The sharecropper thing, the question is whether just by being a sharecropper, a person takes on the authority to be able to give truma, and that's the argument here. Now, this is a famous issue in halacha we touched upon earlier, and we're going to deal with this in great detail in its proper place. But that is, when does something that belongs to someone else become yours? Even if one acquired that something in an inappropriate way. The answer, just in one word, is when the original owner gives up hope that he'll ever find it. That's called yiush. He gives up hope. So what happens? If Mr. A steals a thousand chickens belonging to Mr. B, and Mr. B looked and looked and looked for the chickens and then said, I give up, I'm never going to find these chickens, then Mr. A has acquired the chickens. Now he owes the money for the chickens. Obviously a thief is a thief and has to make restitution. The question is, is he going to make chicken restitution or money restitution? That's the question. Did he acquire the chickens and is he obligated to give money now? So how does this come into Truma? Because a thief has to give Truma too. Hagana for thief, Hagazlon and a robber, Vihoanos and a strong man who went ahead and set aside Truma, Truma son Truma. Their Truma is Truma. That is because the owner gave up. Yish. The owner was Miyayish. And therefore, their debt is now money, not produce. However, if the owner, the farmer, was running after them, hey, give me my produce, then that means they did not give up hope to recapture it. Ain't Trumas and Truma, then the Truma set aside by the thief or the strong man is not considered Truma. Very simple. Now comes a very interesting question. What if somebody is eating produce belonging to someone else, but he's doing it with permission, because he's part of that household, or part of that family, or part of that setup? And of course, one may not eat produce without setting aside truma. Haben, the son of a father who is eating of his father's produce, <coughs> does he set aside truma? Because if he doesn't, he can't eat. But does he have the authority? V'hasochir, a hired hand. V'ha'eved, a servant. 
the ha'isha or a woman in her husband's household where that particular food is not necessarily hers, but it's hers to eat. Clearly speaking, they must set aside truma for what they're eating. Otherwise, they can't eat it. But they should not take the liberty to give truma for the entire produce. Why? Because although the son or the hired hand or the servant or the wife in this case has a right to eat, but he doesn't have a right to set aside truma for the entire produce, he doesn't have ownership of the entire granary or what have you. A son who eats with his father or a woman who is kneading dough, termim, certainly they can set aside Truma from what they're eating or from the dough, because they're doing it with authority, obviously. Yud workers, have no permission to set aside Truma without the authority of the owner. Chutz, the one exception would be a type of employee that does have this authority to set aside Truma. Those who tread grapes in the vat. Why do they have greater authority? Because treading grapes is a very spiritually delicate job. And it can make the wine, the, the, the grape treader can make the wine non-kosher in a second. Can make the wine impure. If somebody who works with grapes wants to defile the wine, there are so many ways to defile it. And therefore, since we have to trust them, in so many important laws that this wine not be defiled. Being that he conveyed that trust to them, and he believes them. Then surely they take on the label of agent, and and if they set aside truma, then we can assume that truma is truma, that their truma is truma. Yudalit peyo shamalei balabayas, a worker was told by his employer, knesli gorn yutreim, bring in my granary and separate truma. Vitoram, and he did the opposite. First he set aside truma vachakach konas, and then he brought in the granary. So he changed the order, truma say truma is truma is truma. Because we're not concerned with the order, although he deviated from the words of the fellow who instructed him. He says, indeed, the common practice is to separate truma before one brings it into the granary. Okay. Tesvav, here's an interesting law. A non-Jew who is a good guy and wants to give truma. He sets aside produce. He sets aside the gift, the gift to the Kohen from his own produce. Din Torah, by Torah law, she'ena truma, it's not technically truma. Meaning, by Torah law, it does not take on the sanctity of truma. I mean, it's a wonderful thing, but it doesn't become holy food. Because the obligation is not there, so the holiness doesn't kick in. Even though, in other places, the Rambam himself says in Mishnayis, that if a non-Jew undertakes a beautiful deed like this, it can become truma. However, either way, rabbinically, our sages decreed that this truma of this benevolent 
non-Jew should be considered rabbinically truma. Why? Because there was an angle here. Mishum Balikisan, because they were concerned with very wealthy people, Jews, who are obligated to give truma, they should not hide behind their fellow non-Jew. We are concerned that this is really money, truma, belonging to a Jew. If the law was cut clear, clear cut, that the non-Jew's truma is not truma, then the Jew could make an arrangement surreptitiously with the non-Jew and get away with truma. Therefore, a decree was passed that if a non-Jew makes a declaration, this is truma, let's accept it gratefully as truma. That's a rabbinic ordinance. However, another problem kicks in because we really have to be sure that in this case, the non-Jew, when he said truma, meant truma, which goes to the Kohen, which is fine. If he said, I set aside truma like every Jew sets aside truma. Then Tinos and Lakon give it to the Kohen. It's rabbinically considered truma. Very good. But if he didn't know what he was doing and he meant to give it to God, he meant to consecrate it, then it cannot be used by anyone, even a Kohen. Then it goes to Hashem. And in, in this case, there is no Beis HaMikdash now. Teuna Geniza requires to be hidden, buried. Shema Belibe perhaps he meant to consecrate it. When does this apply in the land of Israel? But if this happened in the diaspora, like this whole decree doesn't apply, we let him know, hey, there's no obligation, it's not Truma, it's the diaspora, and, and so on and so forth. But here we see the tremendous respect that Halacha gives the benevolent non-Jew who wants to give Truma, we treat him with the greatest appreciation. What if somebody had a senior moment? It shouldn't happen like that happens. He meant to say truma, and he said tithing. He meant to say truma, he said meiser. Or he meant to say meiser, it's nothing. Like in the laws of vows, what he says and what he means should be the same. Here's an interesting halacha. What if he sets aside truma in his thoughts? in his mind, in his heart. He doesn't verbalize. In the case of vows, we said it's nothing. A vow has to be verbalized. But in the case of truma, this is truma. Really. Why? Because there's a special verse which talks about your truma will be considered, and the word in Hebrew used for considered, v'nechshav, is the same word as machshav, a thought. So we learn here that it's okay to set aside truma in your thoughts. Kadogan minagayin, like grain from the granary, v'machshav bilvatia truma, that in the thought process alone, truma could be made into truma because of the similarity of the word v'nechshav. What if somebody sets aside truma conditionally? We learned about many halachas that are done conditionally. Marriage, divorce, and so on. If the condition was fulfilled, then certainly it's truma. 
And if not, ain't a truma, it's not truma. truma, So also if somebody set aside truma or meiser and then changed his mind, similar to a vow. And his initial achacham, he goes to a wise man. And he gives him permission to undo it. For example, he set aside the wrong part of the granary. He's going crazy, he made a mistake. Just as they can find a way out of other vows, they can do the same with the truma vow. And it reverts back to mundane, everyday food, as it was. And this will hold true until he separates a second, time, a second time, either setting aside the same produce or other produce, but undone is undone. What if somebody sets aside a particular cistern of wine? He says, This barrel, this cistern of wine will become truma if it ascends and comes up intact and not broken. If it comes up whole, doesn't break and doesn't pour out, then it is considered truma. But it doesn't have to come up whole from a case of impurity, because impure is impure. But if it broke or it spilled, it's not truma. <coughs> what if it broke? and the wine spills back into the cistern, then it doesn't cause the whole wine to become meduma. Meduma is a mixture of truma and non-truma, which presents a lot of halachic issues. And we're going to learn about this. But if you put it in a place where if it breaks or it rolls, it will not reach the cistern, then it does become meduma if it does. Because the condition was fulfilled. And just to point out, the term meduma, he says here in the note, refers to a mixture of truma and ordinary produce, as explained in chapter 13, halacha 2. And in this instance, in our case, although the wine in the container flows back into the cistern after it was designated as truma, since that designation was made conditionally, and the condition was never fulfilled, the wine separated is not considered as truma, therefore there is no problem of this meduma issue, which we will talk about. Again, there are many legal issues of truma, and we have to do one at a time. When does the above apply? In the main Truma, the 2% that the farmer gives, but if we're talking about the 10% which the levy gives, we're here, our sages said, that the levy does not have to set aside his truma from produce that's right there. It could be more distant produce. We learned that. Kivan also, being that it came up, Unbroken, the skyim his condition was fulfilled. is considered truma of his meiser. Even though it broke or poured out, 
or it became impure. If somebody says that which is at the top should be truma, that which is at the bottom should be mundane. Or he says that which is on top should be mundane. That which should be on the bottom is truma. His words take hold. Why? Because his declaration is his option. It's his truma. He has a right to do it. Because setting aside truma has everything to do with what's on the mind of the donor. And finally, 21, the last paragraph of this chapter. When somebody sets aside truma from grain in a granary, it has to focus and concentrate. That the truma should be for everything in the granary. And everything in the cracks. And everything on the side. And everything in the uh, straw. In other words, make sure that none of the grains falls through the cracks. And that the truma covers everything that has to be in his mind. When somebody sets aside... Truma, for the wine press, he has to focus and concentrate his heart, that he is setting aside, also that which is in the kernels of the grapes and the peels. All the wine stuck anywhere should be covered by his declaration of Truma. If somebody sets aside truma for a cistern or from a cistern of wine, then he also has to have in mind to set aside truma for the wine absorbed in the peat. If he didn't have that in mind, he just set aside. We still can assume that it's all covered. Because it's one of these rules where you rely upon the court system and what they assume. And they have declared that a person sets aside truma, he means for everything. If a person sets aside truma from a basket of figs, and we find figs on the side of the basket, they are exempt and included. Because we can safely assume that in his heart he means to set aside truma, as he does so for everything in that immediate vicinity. End of chapter 4.